Hey there, family. Welcome back to a whole new podcast here at U-Turn Orlando. We're so psyched to have you guys. For all those of you who want to have more information on our church, go ahead to www.myuturnorlando.com. We love you guys. Enjoy. Praise God. How many are excited that you made it out to church this morning? Amen. We almost didn't make it. I'm just, I'm just kidding. You know those mornings that where your kids just don't feel like getting up. You know how, how many ever had that those moments? How many had that moment today? I had that moment today. Amen. And uh, where you kind of like wake them up a few times. Actually, normally I wake them up a little earlier, but um, today I lost track of time. And um, you know, but well, we made it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Uh, if you're new here, uh, which it doesn't seem like anybody's new here, but just in case you're listening, uh, my name is Pastor Richard. Uh, my wife and I are the pastors of U-Turn Covenant Orlando, and I'm excited to be concluding this series called Keep the Change. Everybody say that. Keep the change. How many have been blessed by this series, Keep the Change? Now, I know some of us, some of us haven't been here. How many have been listening to it on the podcast? Amen. Praise God. So today we're going to be concluding it, and I think this is going to bless a lot of people because so many times we don't hear a message like this behind the pulpit, and uh, we're going to go ahead and put the graphic up, and it's Keep the Change. Today's message is How to Be Rich. Come on, give Jesus some praise for that, because I know some of you are excited about this title, right, because some of you will see other people and uh, you see how they live, and you see the things that they have, and you ask yourself, how can I get to that place? Amen? And so we're going to look at a biblical perspective of what that means, what it means to be rich, a biblical perspective. Now, some of you don't know this, but from what I have studied, and there might be more, but there was... 17 rich people, and I'm not talking about spiritually, 17 rich people in the Bible. They had possessions, they had money, not only spiritual. So they were godly and they had money. Amen? So it's not that God does not want to bless you financially, but there's more that he wants from us other than blessing us financially. So let's go to first, uh, first Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, and uh, it says this, it says, it says, yet true godliness with contentment is great, what? Wealth. True godliness with contentment itself is great wealth. After all, we have brought nothing with us when we came into the world, come on somebody, And we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So, Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray, God, that you would speak through me, think through me. And I pray, Father God, that people's lives will be changed as we gather your mind for kingdom finances. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Amen. Last week, we talked about a message, and the title of the message was, It's More Than Money, right? How many remember the title? It's More Than Money. Amen. And really, that could have been the title of this whole sermon series, that it's more than money, because God wants to bless you. He asks you for your finances not to only bless you financially, he asks for your finances because he wants to bless you with other things other than finances, but it also includes 
money. Everybody say, it includes money. Amen. And so last week we learned that God wants to pour out a great blessing. And the word great did not come from a person. It came from God. God wants to bless you in a great way. Not only that, he says, hey, I want to bless you so much that I'm willing to allow you to test me. Come on, somebody. That's powerful. When God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, says, hey, I want to bless you so much, and I want you to put me to the test. And number three, we talked about everyone will see God's blessing upon your life. How many want to be in that place where everybody sees God's blessing upon your life? Anybody? Amen. Amen. Now, when you see the part where the scripture says, hey, um, right before that, it talks about give a warning to rich people, right? If you read 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul's writing this letter to his mentor or mentee, the person that he is discipling, and he's saying, hey, you need to warn rich people not to trust in their riches or their possessions, but to really trust in God. And when you guys hear this, you already check yourself out, right? Because you already say, I'm not even in that place. I'm not rich. How many, how many think like that? I'm not rich. That, that's not even for me. But I want, I want to kind of like show you that in the big scheme, big picture of, of things, that you are actually rich, right? Let me just share this with you. The average annual earnings globally, not in the United States, globally, the annual earnings is $9,700, $9,700 a year. That's what the average family makes somewhere in another country, which is, which is equivalent of $4.66 an hour. How many, if you were making that much a year, you would make it? No, you wouldn't make it. You wouldn't make it. Watch this. The median income, that means the average income worldwide, right, on a monthly basis is $850. On a monthly basis, worldwide, the average family makes $850, right? That's groceries for some of us, right? Amen. Watch this. People who live in incomes of 41000 a year, right? So if you're making 41000 in your household, you and your wife, or you, just you yourself, right, in your household, if you are making 41000 and up, you are at the top 3% of the richest people in the world. Top 3% in the world if you're making 41000 or above, Right? That's the majority of us, right? Some of us, we don't make that, right? Watch this. Three billion people in the world. I'm going to say that again. Three billion. There's only 6.7, I believe, billion people. Three billion people in the world live on less than $2 per day. They live on less than $2. Three Billion, which is the equivalent of $728 a year. So let me ask you a question. Are you rich compared to that? You are absolutely rich. So when God looks at the entire world and he sees us complaining about the income we're making, and then he sees that family that barely makes $2 a day, and we're complaining on how poor, quote-unquote, we are, and then he sees this person that is making almost $2 a day, still glorifying God, worshiping God. They don't even live in a house. They live in a hut in a dirty place, and they still manage to come to the house of God and worship God. Can you imagine what goes through God's mind? When we have running water, when we have stainless steel appliances, when it gets hot in our apartment, we could turn on a switch and the AC comes. 
When we have, when it's cold, we can turn on a switch and heat comes. And yet sometimes we think, oh, we're so poor. My friend, in the whole big picture, you are absolutely rich. And God has already blessed you and me. You are rich. You are blessed. Can somebody say amen? So when Paul is talking to Timothy, he says, hey, warn rich people, you would be in that category. I would be in that category. Currently, right now. And what does he say? He says, these are a few things that we need to know about wealth. First of all, we have, we have to understand, before I get into the points, God is not against blessing you. God is not against making you rich and wealthy. But we have to understand these principles so that when riches come and blessing come financially, that, you know, it doesn't remove our hearts from God. Number one, Paul says this, godliness with contentment is wealth in the kingdom of God. He says godliness Living right before God, having a right relationship with God, doing things right, getting up in the morning and talking to God and getting into his word and worshiping him and serving a local church. Godliness with contentment, meaning I'm glad that I'm blessed. I, I, I'm okay with getting more, but if God don't give me more, as long as I have Jesus, that's all I need. Paul is saying, hey, listen, living a right life and with contentment, you are already rich. You're rich already. In the kingdom of God, wealth is not measured by the zeros in your checking account. No, my friend, wealth is measured by how you live in this world. Paul says, hey, listen, right before he says this, he says there's preachers out there that are preaching not because they want to make an impact, not because they want to preach the gospel. They preach because they want to gain money. Their motive is money. Their motive is riches. Their motive is prosperity. And even though God is not against blessing us, but if your motive for doing something for God or coming to the house of God is what you get out of it, he says, listen, you need to get away from people like that. How many ever seen somebody that the only reason why they come to church is what they get out of it? It's not to worship Jesus, right? It's not to hear a word from God. No, no, it's so that you can get a food box eventually. And if you're in that situation where you need a food box, absolutely, you're supposed to come. But if your heart is for that only, he says, man, your heart is not in the right place. We've all been in that place, right? Where the church is providing and we need it and we take it. All, by all means, a thousand percent, you come and you take, right? But then there are some people, and thank God we don't have many in our church, I believe there's people in our church that love Jesus, and they don't come just for the things that we can give out. No, they come for Jesus. But then there are those that come, and they say, the only reason why I'm coming, because I know later on I'm going to be a little short, so let me show my face a little bit. Right? And in reality, we think of people that are rich, like, hey, they're just greedy. But in reality, the person that just comes to take and never give thanks to God and never worship Jesus for what he's already provided, you are in that same category, my friend. You're in the same category. Now, again, if you need it, you come and, bring, you come and take it. You come get the food. You come get all that stuff. I'm not knocking that at all. I'm not condemning that at all. What I'm talking about is the condition of a person's heart. Right? It's the condition of a person's heart. Amen? He says, godliness with contentment is wealth. Look at uh, six, uh, chapter 6, verse 6. It says, yet true godliness with contentment is great wealth. After all, we have brought nothing with us when we came into the world. And we can't take anything with us when we leave. In other words, he's saying, put it into perspective. God is more worried about where you spend eternity more than your comfort here on earth. 
He's worried about your salvation. He's worried about your, your calling and your purpose more than your comfort. You know what I really believe sometimes? That God does not open the doors for some of us is because when we, he actually blesses us what we're asking for, that great job, that promotion, that more money, your heart will turn away from him and you will completely forget that it was the Lord that blessed you. And so he says, I'm more worried about your salvation than your comfort. He knows that if you get more money, you're not going to spend it to bless people. You're not going to spend it to get closer to him. You're going to spend it on sinful desires. So he says, I am going to withhold this so that I can keep you. So that I can keep you. I've seen so many people. We prayed for jobs, they got the job, and they don't even show up anymore. Crying out to God, God, I need a, I need a job, I need a raise. Then you get the raise. And all of a sudden, we forget that it was the Lord that gave us the promotion. God, put my family back together. My wife left me. My, my, my husband left me. And then God does the miracle. And then all of a sudden, you forget they're totally absent from the house of God. It's like a genie in the bottle. We want to rub God the right way. And then once he gives, once he gives the blessing, completely forget it. All the, God, if you bless me, I'll do this. God, if you do this. And we're crying and snot and God hears you and God blesses you. And then we forget. We've all been there, haven't we? I've been there. I've been in a place where we just forget. We think that we did it. Amen? We think that we're the ones who did it. When in reality, it was God answering your prayer. It was God that's, that was answering my prayer. Number two, he gives us warnings about wanting or longing or lusting for wealth. How many want to know these warnings? Amen. Amen. Verse 9 says this, and let's put it on the screen. It says, but people who long, people who long to be rich, that means they have a, an extreme lust to be rich, rich, fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Number one, what is he saying? Number one, he says, he's basically saying this, wealth does not bring contentment. A lot of us think so. A lot of us think that, man, if I can make more money, I'll have more peace. If I'll have more money, I'll have more joy. If I have more money, I wouldn't have marriage problems. If I have more money, I'll have more friends. If I have more money, I'll have better status. That way, and therefore, I'll, I'll be in certain circles and my life will be better. But Paul's saying, hey, money doesn't bring you that. Your relationship with God brings you that. Money doesn't bring you favor. A relationship with God brings you favor. Come on, somebody. Money will not give you peace. Not a peace that passes all understanding. No, money will not do that. But having the prince of peace inside of your life, that when you go through the worst seasons inside of your life, some things money can't buy, but the prince of peace can give you peace that passes all understanding. Paul's saying, hey, money can't do that. It's very temporary, actually. Right? Wealth doesn't bring contentment. You know what else? You know what else uh, Paul's talking about here? Look at, look at um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. And I love what he says here. Because we can learn a lot from this right here. It says in verse 11, he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. Which lets us know. That Paul was okay. He says, I don't have a need. Can you imagine living a life not being in need? He says, I'm not saying what I'm about to say right now because I'm in need of something. In other words, I don't need anything from you. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned. Everybody say that. Learned. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance. 
I, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty of. What is he saying? He says, I know what it is to be broke, and I know what it is to have a whole lot. And he says, I have learned, there goes again, the secret of being content in, every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's the secret. You want to know the secret? Here it is. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That was way better than you guys responded. That's powerful. He says, when I'm broke, God gives me strength. When I have plenty, God gives me strength. When I'm going hungry, God gives me strength. When I'm not going hungry, God gives me strength. When everything is going wrong, God gives me strength. And everything is going right, God gives me strength. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The problem with us sometimes is where are you getting your strength from? Where are we getting our strength from? Are we getting it in Christ? Or are we getting it in a relationship? Or are we getting it in status? Are we getting it in a job? Where are you getting your strength from? He says, listen, if you're not content, you can learn to be content. He says, I learned this. I wasn't always like this. I learned to do this. I learned to live a humble life. I've learned to trust in God and not wealth. I learned to enjoy what God has given me, whether it's a lot or whether it's a little. I have learned this. And some of us, we're in a situation where you're learning how to be content in every circumstance. Because at the end of the day, Paul's saying it's not about money. It's about your relationship with God. And where you get your strength. And I love what he says, what, what Ecclesiastes says. Because, you know, a lot of us, we think that God doesn't want, to, uh, want us to enjoy things. He actually does. He wants you to enjoy your life. Look what it says in chapter 3, verse 12. It says, so I conclude there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruit of their, label, of their labor, for these are gifts from God. The fact that you are able to go out on Sunday and enjoy a meal with your friends, that is a gift from God. The fact that you're able to go to a beach, the fact that you're able to go to a movie theater, the fact that you're able to enjoy certain things, we think, oh, this is my hard work. No, it is also part of your hard work. Yes, it is, but it's also a gift from God. And that's beautiful, isn't it? You know what content people do? Not only do they not trust in their wealth, they trust in God, but they use their money to serve people. They use their money to serve people. Amen? Here's number two. Wealth is not lasting. Verse 7, it says, chapter 6, verse 7, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Wealth is not lasting. Wealth is not bad. Wealth is not good. It's just a necessity, right? But wealth does not last. And some of us, we get so anxious, including myself, about money and, and, the, and the whole big picture of things, it's not even going to last anyways after you're gone, right? You're not even going to have it, I mean. Maybe your kids will have it, and that's a principle, right? We should leave something to our kids if we pass away, but it's not lasting. You know what else he says? He says that the lust for wealth leads to sin. The lust for wealth leads to sin. Verse 10 says, for the love of money, everybody say love, love, is the root of all kinds of evil. It's love for money. It's not the necessity for money. It's not wanting money to be a blessing. No, no, it's loving money that it's the root of all kinds of evil. And when it says this, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And some of us were sitting here and says, I don't love money like that. Well, let's put that to the test, right? Let's put that to the test. When you've been waiting for a job 
and the job comes, but you have to work on Sunday, every Sunday, what are you going to put as a priority? Your relationship with God? Or are you going to put money as a priority? And I understand there might be certain seasons where you have to do it. There's grace for that. But anytime I try to get a job, I give them what, this is what, this is what I have, right? This is what I could offer. I can do all of this but Sunday. I could work Monday through Saturday if you want me to. I cannot work on Sunday. Why? Because I do stuff on Sunday that are very important to me. You don't have to go into details, but if you want to go into details, you can. This is the time where I serve God, I worship God. Sunday. Many of us, we're like, man, God, bless me with a job, bless me with a job, and then God blesses, blesses you with a job, and the job takes you away from God. So was it God blessing you? Or was it the enemy blessing you? Because we all know the, the enemy can bless as well. We have to put it into perspective. Again, there's grace. I've had to work Sundays before in my life. Right? So I found a church that they had Saturday service. So there's ways around this thing. But what are you putting first? What are you putting first? Right? When we do this, right? We're saying, man, I love money more than God right now. I need money more than I need God. And again, there's grace. You know, there's other people that will go to an extreme. And they'll start going on certain websites to make money. Because they can. Now you can do all types of crazy, dirty things to get money. And some of us were like, hey, I might have to do this so that I can make some money. And I'm not going to mention the sites that you can go on because I don't want to give you no ideas. But it's the lust for money. It is the love for money that we are willing to prostitute ourselves online for the sake of money. We're willing to get into bad relationships because we know he or she are, is willing to give us money. That is the love of money. You are putting more trust in that internet site, in that woman, and that man more than you're putting on God. That's the love of, that's the love of money. We've all been there. I've been there as a pastor. It's a constant temptation. This is what he's saying. He's saying, hey, listen, when you are, are, are just after money, most people will do almost anything to get it. We've all known these people. We've been these people. But he's saying, Paul is saying, hey, listen, that's not the way to do it. That's not the way to do it. Trust in God. Is, is not God good? And if he is... Why many times do we go into the enemy's camp and ask him to provide for us? Because sometimes that's what we do. And I say we, right? So we go into certain things. We know people that, man, you know, you just compromise your, your faith. You compromise your walk with God. Why? For money. If you look at it, really, if you look at it, most of the stuff, if you're an adult, most of the stuff you compromise for is for money. It's for money. It's because you lack. It's because I lack. What if we would position ourselves using God's principles to be like Paul and say, I don't say this because I have need. I don't have a need because God has provided for me. If I have to live in little and not get all the subscriptions and the Hulus and the HBO Max and all that stuff and still have a godly life, I'm willing to do that. If I'm, I'm willing not to go out to have a relationship with God and spend money on dinner and spend money on a movie, I'm willing not to do that to have my relationship with God. That's what Paul's saying. I know what it is to live with a little bit, and I know what it is to have a lot. And the only way that I was able to do it is by God giving me the strength. 
But I got some good news. I know I was just saying some stuff and you'd be like, what, what, what's the part? Where's the part for the rich part? You know, when I get rich. So here's number three is uh, we're going to be talking about wealthy and godly because God has the ability to make you rich. And the best example of this is Job. The best example of somebody that was filthy rich and righteous. When I mean filthy rich, I did a study this morning because I wanted to give you some numbers, right? Because when you hear 3,000 sheep and 5,000 camels, you don't know what that means. Basically, in the Bible times, if somebody owned one camel, they were, they were pretty well off. He had thousands of them. The equivalent of Job's income today, if he was living today, Job would be worth $250 million dollars this is a servant of God the Bible says that he walked with integrity that he feared God a man that walked with integrity a man that feared God was worth 250 million dollars after God blessed him before God blessed him and the enemy took everything away he was worth 125 million dollars after God blessed him, he was worth $250 million. After God blessed him. I want to emphasize that because God's blessing does involve money. But I want, to, I, want to, I want to share something with you because in Job chapter 29 and Job chapter 30, 31, it kind of gives us the kind of man Job was. How many want to know the kind of man he was? Right? Watch this. And this is all through Job chapter 29. Verse 2, it says, he de it describes Job, it says, he described God as his friend who protected him and his family. Job called God his friend. It says, God's intimate relationship blessed his house. His relationship with God is the thing that blessed his house. It wasn't how wise he was. It wasn't his investment. It was God's blessing. Look what Job did. It says in verse 12, chapter 29, verse 12, he rescued the poor and defended the orphans and the widow. Some of you might be saying, well, what did he do with $250 million? He rescued the poor and defended the orphans. Watch this. It says, he was, he was his, eyes to the, his eyes were to the blind and his feet to the poor and he, he fed fathers that were needy. In other words, people that were poor, he gave money to them. He was a champion of the helpless and, and scourge of the wicked. In other words, he shunned wicked people, people in office that were not doing things right. He used his influence to bring righteousness into a place. The Bible says he was clothed with righteousness and justice. Now, here's his attitude, Job chapter 31. His attitude towards women. He says, I will not look at a woman lustfully. He made a covenant with his eyes. He says, he has not lusted after them. Attitude to, uh, attitude to lie. He has not lied or deceived. This is his character. A man that has this much money. His attitude towards adultery. He has not committed adultery. Job chapter 31 Verse 9 and 12. His attitude towards servants or his employees, he has now failed to help his employees, his servant. In other words, you would want to work for Job. And it just keeps on going. His attitude towards wealth, he says he has not trusted in his wealth, but in God. His attitude towards false gods or idols, it says he has not turned to idolatry. In other words, he has always been loyal to God no matter what. His attitude towards his enemies, he has not looked for their destruction. His attitude towards strangers or homeless people, another word could say, he has not been stingy to, the, to them. In other words, he provided for them. His attitude towards, the e towards evil, he has not hidden his sin. In other words, when he messed up, he was vulnerable to the right people, and he says, I messed up. I don't try to hide my sin. 
I bring it out. Last one, his attitude towards his workers. He has not been unfair or taken advantage of them. This is a wealthy man. Now, how many would say, man, if God, if you come blessed with that kind of money, you would say, I want that kind of money. But can you be like Job? Can you be like him? Can you be a person that says, hey, when God tells me to give, I'll, I'll give it in a heartbeat. Or are you going to go out and buy bigger, bigger houses and fancier cars? Right? And when God says, hey, can you give this money? I want you to give $500,000 to this organization because they're feeding the homeless and they're doing great work. And I want you to use the money that I blessed you with to give it over to them. Can you do that? Because if you can get $500,000, then you can get five today. If you could give $500,000, then you can give your tithe today. But if you can't give your tithe today, I promise you, my friend, the more money you get is going to be even harder to give it. And so God says, hey, you want me to bless you like that? I have to be able to trust you that this money, that this property, that this blessing is not going to take your heart from me. Because your heart is more valuable than money. Your relationship with me is more valuable than money. And God will keep us broke because your comfort and my comfort does not matter as much as your eternity. If he knows, man, I'm going to give this person millions of dollars and you're going to go to hell because you're going to fall away from God and you're going to forget that he blessed you, do you, would you do that to your children? Would you give them something knowing that they're just going to splurge it and get high and get drunk and buy all this unnecessary thing? You wouldn't do that. Neither would God. But if we get our heart right and we, and we say like Paul, hey, I know what it is to live in a lot. I know what it is to live and basically nothing, and I learn how to be content in whatever season I'm in. Why? Because it's all about my relationship with God. It's not about status. It's not about money. It's not all about having entertainment, even though God wants us to enjoy life. It's about your walk with God. What good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? What good is it to have the house you want, the car you want, the clothes you want, and yet it leads for you not to having a relationship with Jesus? God has no problem blessing you. He has no problem making you rich. He has no problem doing it. But can he trust us with that? Because it's a responsibility. The Bible even says, too much is given. Much is required. That Bible verse, a lot of people say, say it in different ways, and it can be used, but in context, that scripture is talking about money. To whom much is given, much is expected. You want much. You want a lot of money. You want a big calling. You want to travel the world. You want to have a, success, a, a successful business. To whom much is given, much is expected. And he's basically saying, can you drink this cup that you're asking for? Can you drink it? Because if I give it to you, it's like what Deuteronomy says, do not forget that it was the Lord that blessed you. The Bible talks about the spirit of mammon, and the spirit of mammon, his whole purpose of that spirit is to put your trust in possessions Put your trust in status and forget about God. That spirit of mammon can bless you. That spirit of mammon can make you rich, but it's at the expense of your relationship with God. And some of us, unfortunately, some of us, we will choose that spirit of mammon before God. Why? Because we lust after wealth more than our desire for God. 
Even, even Satan gave Jesus a tour of what, everything that he can give us. He says, I can give you all of this if you bow down and worship me. That's what the spirit of mammon does. I'll give you all this money. I'll give you the promotion. I'll give you the house. I'll give you the car. I'll give you the husband and wife you want as long as you bow down and worship me. And many of us, we don't even realize that we're bowing down to a spirit of mammon. Why? Because that stuff, that lust for that stuff has taken our heart away from God. And God's saying, I can do the exact same thing if you do it my way. I can do the exact same thing. Because what the enemy was offering Jesus, Jesus already had after the cross. Jesus says, uh, Satan was offering everything that was going to be Jesus's anyways. He's saying, hey, listen, Jesus, you don't have to sacrifice. You don't have to pray. You don't have to die on the cross. I'll give it to you right now. And Jesus says, I will not touch the Lord my God. In other words, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to do it God's way. Because after the cross, when he died, the Bible says that he has a name above every name. Satan offered everything without the price. And he does that to us. He says, I'll give you everything that God is promising you without the sacrifice. Without having to live like that. You want to get high? Go ahead. I'll still give you the blessing. You want to get drunk and have fun and all this stuff? I'll give you the blessing. But again, you're, it's at the expense of your calling and your relationship with God. And what matters more to you? What matters more? Because when you die, what matters at the end is what you did with the name Jesus. That's what matters at the end. And I'm going to tell you this, and I, don't, I know this is sobering for some of us, right? And I didn't even plan on saying any of that, so God wants to speak to somebody. But I'll say this, eternity is a lot longer than this life. So live your life with eternity in mind. Make God number one. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what does it say? And all these things. What things? Whatever things you're asking for. You think God doesn't want you to prosper? He absolutely does. You think God wants you to live paycheck by check, pay, paycheck? He does not. Many of the reasons why we live paycheck by check, paycheck is because our bad decision. It's not because God's not blessing. Our bad decisions. Right? We're spending way more than we could afford. We're going places that we probably shouldn't go because we can't afford it. You're, many times the reason why we are broke, and I'm including myself in that, is because we are not stewarding, managing our money well. It's not because God's not blessing. Right? And watch this. Would you bless somebody that's mismanaging your money? Because in the whole scheme of things, biblically, biblically the money that we have is God's anyways. He says manage it. And what does he say? When you manage it, manage it, Sooner or later, I'm going to put my hand on it, and I'm going to give you double. I'm going to give you double. Or bless it. I don't know about you, but I want to get to that place. I want to get to a place where I'm managing God's money well. And the great thing, like so many of us, we say, man, if I do that, that he's going to ask for all my money. It's all his anyways. But listen. I have never seen somebody that manages their money in God's way that they're not tremendously blessed. Because that's God's heart. That's God's heart. He's not trying to make you live poor. He wants to bless you. He wants you to get to a place where all your friends that are selling drugs to make money are going on those sites to make money. They look at you and said, man, you're doing it right. You're living faithfully for God, and you are so blessed. How do you do it? And that's when you introduce them to Jehovah Jireh, your God, your provider. 
Let's all stand this morning. Listen, I really believe that some of us, we can be pretty wealthy. We can if we do it God's way. If we do it God's way. I'm not saying that, you know, in your, in your, in your quest and your effort to get out of debt and, and do things right that you shouldn't enjoy your life. You should. It's okay to do that. It's okay to go to the movies, all that stuff, have fun, go out. But in it, you have to have a mentality of kingdom first, God first. Many of us, God has blessed us, and we have given that money back to the enemy. We've given it back to the enemy, and God's saying, hey, I blessed you. It wasn't for you to do that. It wasn't so that you could have enough to do that, whatever that is. It's so that you can do what I told you to do with that money. But praise God, we serve a God of grace. And we serve a God of mercy. And we serve a God of love. And we serve a God of many chances that he says, hey, listen, you've took a wrong turn. Let's get back on track. Let's get back on track. In my mind right now, I could picture some people have dropped chains, like you're in a prison, and you've gone back and you put those chains on. It wasn't even the devil. You put them back on. You shackled yourself. You gave the enemy a foothold. He just opened the door and you walked in and you shackled yourself. God wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. Many times we blame the devil for a lot of things, and in reality, we're the ones who are chaining ourselves. And this is why it's so important to have a relationship with Jesus, because sometimes we do chain ourselves, but the next morning, the Bible says that there are brand new mercies every morning. What does that mean? That means God is able to break those chains that we put ourselves in, and he's able to set us free. He's able to set us free. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I really believe God wants to make a few people here, if not many people, wealthy. And I don't say that because for no real motive, because, I mean, I'm not getting the money. You got to be diligent. We got to be diligent. In the thing that God has already, some of us, God has already given us the plan. We haven't done it. He, give, he gave us the plan already. Do the plan. Many times God's blessing is dressed up in work. I'm going to say that again. God's blessing is dressed up in work. Work is God's idea. So, Father, right now, I pray for every single person in this place. And I pray that you will position us to be a people that you can trust with many things. God, I pray that you will trust us with great influence. I pray that you will trust us with great wealth. I pray that you will trust us with status. That we will use status, not so that we could become arrogant, but that we can use status, God, to bring forth your kingdom. I pray, Father God, that you will continue to remind us when we're not being good stewards of your money. I pray, Holy Spirit, convict us when we're spending more than we ought to. When we're using the money that you provided to do things that we ought not to. Father, I pray and I come against the spirit of mammon, God. The spirit of mammon that lies and says, you can get all that without God. But I pray that this word will just, God, be echoed within our heart. What good is it to gain everything without God? And then you lose your soul. You lose your mind. You lose your peace, you lose your relationship with God. What good is it? What good is it to gain everything that you want and you lose yourself 
and your relationship with God. God, your word says that you are the desire of the nations. You are the desire of the nations. We don't even know it sometimes that you are the main desire. So, Father, I pray that you will seal this word within our hearts. I thank you that you care so much about us. God, there's no other God in this world that counts the, the, the amount of hair we have on our head. You do. There's no other God that says, I called you by name even before our parents even gave us the name. You knew our name before that name came into the mind of our mother and our father. You said, I called you by name before that name even came out of the mouth of our parents. That's how much you know us. And so, Father, we love you and we thank you, God. And I pray, Father God, that we would allow conviction because conviction leads us to you. Condemnation leads us away from you. And so right now, I come against condemnation right now because the enemy is lying to some of us in this room saying, hey, you messed up, you might as well just quit. That's not God, that's the devil trying to keep you away from your father that is trying to keep you and protect you. So we rebuke condemnation right now and we invite conviction because conviction brings the love of God. Conviction brings restoration. Conviction brings deliverance. And conviction puts us in a place where we are able to live the abundant life you have called us to live. And for that, we thank you this morning and we love you. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus some praise this morning. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to go ahead and continue our worship uh, through our giving this morning. So if you call this church, you turn covenant your church, this is your opportunity uh, to give. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to stop in for a whole new podcast. We love you, familia.